0: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. The Washington Post last week published a a column, headlined, Parents Claim They Have the Right to Shape Their Kids' School Curriculum. They don't. And the, uh, the piece went on to, again, dismiss the rights of parents as the primary educators of their children, this, de- this detail about shaping their kids' school curriculum is basically, it's a dodge. The real question is, do parents have the right to be the primary educators of their children? After that's established, we can begin to talk about curriculum. But more and more parents are feeling uh, besieged. Uh, the, the, it's been, uh, people have been sensitized, especially uh, through this pandemic, with debates about in-schooling or, uh, you know, remote education and masks and, or not masks. And then you've got substantive issues like uh, critical race theory and gender ideology that seem to be showing up more and more in public schools. With me right now to talk about the present crisis in public education is Mary Rice Hassan, She's the author of Get Out Now, Why You Should Pull Your Child from Public School Before It's Too Late. She's the Cato O'Byrne Fellow in Catholic Studies at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. She also directs the Catholic Women's Forum and has spearheaded the Person and Identity Project. You can visit personandidentity.com for more information, or you can follow her on Twitter at Mary Rice Hassan. Those uh, addresses will be available to you on our website as well. Mary, good to have you back here. Thanks.
1: Thanks so much, Al uh let's
0: let's go to this washington post column to begin with um the case they they're making in this column uh, is they are first of all they're concerned about politics uh and so they're they're really thinking that all of this concern about parents rights right now is just subterfuge uh to help win uh, elections especially in the virginia governor's race but th- the real issue here isn't about parents directly shaping a curriculum. The real issue is about parents' responsibility as the primary educator of their children. And they kind of blur the issues in this column. Uh, what, is, what do you think the common mind is on the part of public school administrators regarding a parent's right as the primary educator?
1: I think it depends. I think it largely depends on on where the school is. I do know of some places in some smaller towns in Texas and places like that where you get local administrators who are more attuned to parents and Mm -hmm. and things like that. But as a whole, the public education establishment for more than 40 years has uh, really embraced the idea that experts get to decide what's best for children, whether it's in sex ed. Whether it's in history curriculum, how to teach kids to read, gender ideology, or critical race theory, mm-hmm. so it's there's been a, a growing, um, growing embedded sense of of power among public school administrators and 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 the industry. There's a uh, just a lucrative market around public schools in terms of creating products and trainings and all of this. Mm-hmm and they have really embraced for decades now the idea that parents really are not their primary customers so to speak it's the special interests it's the unions it's the the professional administrators and things and it's it's the culture of experts but but the reason why that happened al is because of the sexual revolution because yeah. you had this this divergence in terms of what most parents wanted for their kids and what the progressive experts who were wedded to a completely different vision of what's good wanted to push through the schools. And, and they're no dummies. You know, they, they know that yeah. if you want to change a culture, you start with, with the young people and yeah. we can see that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I just I saw this one story today where uh, a Florida school board member chaperoned a group of elementary school children on a field trip to a gay bar. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you say to yourself, um, I went to, you know, I went, to, I went to public school uh, through mm-hmm. my years, and I don't remember any teacher that would have thought of taking me to any bar, never mind, mm-hmm. <laughs> never mind a mm-hmm. gay bar. But it, mm-hmm. uh, you ask, you ask yourself, how does a person come to the conclusion that this is an important experience for the children? Uh, over which they're stewards, educational stewards. I, it, it's mm-hmm. incredible arrogance, it seems to me.
1: Yeah, it, it is. But I think it really does capture something and and something of a divide among teachers, because for the past, it, since I've been following this very closely, certainly you know over the past decade, I've really seen that the um, the public schools of education, in other words, the teacher training colleges as well as the professional development industry, has really, really leaned into the idea of education as a vehicle for social change. Yeah. And so yeah. teachers coming up through that have embraced that. That's what they've been taught. And and they also have embraced a different vision of what that social change should look like, what's good. And so there's two things going on. There's, there's a generation of teachers who really think this is educational and how to widen their children's experience and, and all these things. And then there are others. As we saw, uh, kind of revealed through the COVID online classes, there are some who take it as a specific mission to expose kids who have religious or conservative parents mm-hmm. to expose them to other points of view. That again, they, they in their sort of progressive expertise think is better, more tolerant, more uh, welcoming, inclusive, et cetera. You know, put in all those those buzzwords. But so it's two things, some who truly believe this is what education is about and some who may believe this is what education is about, but also have an activist mission. And that's to change the thinking of kids, especially if they're being brought up in religious or conservative households. And it's not just that school in Florida. There are countless instances of similar things, not bars in particular, but where teachers take it upon themselves to expose kids to things that they know the parents would not want them to see, and that's why they don't ask permission. Yeah, right. It's easier yeah. to apologize than ask permission. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, that's right. Uh, this, as you point out, this has been going on a long time. I, I've been doing a program very similar to what I'm doing now since uh, the mid nineteen eighties, and this was an issue back then. Uh, it definitely is worse today than it was back then. Mm-hmm uh it's and it's it's troubling it's troubling because uh we've had our our side on this has really been act has been active i mean it's not as though we were mm-hmm. sitting on our hands um mm-hmm. but it seems it was always difficult in the past because it was you, you, if you came out strongly well, like the title of your book, Get Out Now, mm-hmm. Why You Should Pull mm-hmm. Your Child from Public School Before It's Too Late, uh, 30 years ago, that would have been seen as unnecessarily provocative, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, though, it it has to be said because of the very things mm-hmm. that you, we've been describing here.
1: Uh, our, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I think the timing is critical because what I say to parents when I'm out speaking to groups or whatever is you know, we don't have, they don't have their child's school lifetime to fiddle around and yeah. keep trying to change things incrementally. That's in right. the life of a child, it it really matters what happens this year and next year, and then certainly in the long haul. But you have to act now yeah. in terms of what's good for your child, because there aren't any do-overs. <laughs> yeah. You don't get to uh, rewind and, and try again when we've succeeded in getting political power and making these changes. So, I think parents are realizing that. And and one of the good and encouraging things that I've seen is that uh fueled by the the division over the masking and the shutting down of in person school and then parents becoming aware of what their kids are actually learning and kind of tuning in, we've seen an increasing number of states really changing at the state legislature level really changing their laws to open it up so that there's more money going with the child so p- parents can have choice in nice. education, yeah. not just to a, a charter school, but it, it really, it's money in the hand of the parents. And they they can say, I'm going to homeschool, I'm going to use it for that, I'm going to use it for a private school, or I'm going to use it for, for the charter school and, and whatever. They can choose. But that has been a really exciting fruit of this. And so... Besides parents choosing what's best for their kids, in other words, act. Don't wait
0: for this to
1: change in the short term because your own child's going to suffer. Besides that, parents really need to push and increase the political leverage on these state legislatures to really make sure that families have that economic power to educate their kids as they see fit. Now is the time to put that pressure on and to make that happen because I think there's so much more awareness and a lot more sympathy for that position. Um, my we
0: our our youngest child is 20 years old now he's uh, in college and uh, all of our kids were either homeschooled or they went to an independent catholic school here in Ann Arbor uh Spiritus Sanctus mm-hmm. Academy and we we were very happy with their education family were all tight getting along fine everybody's uh gainfully employed and doing well uh when we started homeschooling back uh, in the 19 uh would have been around 85 um you know it was at that time it seemed like a new thing um mm-hmm. i know a lot of time has gone since uh we were very optimistic about the rise and the growth of homeschooling and we were involved in lots of conferences mm-hmm. is homeschooling still growing
1: oh yeah Yeah. And in fact, because of the pandemic, we've seen it basically double, but in some constituencies, even triple. So, for example, the number of families who are who are black, it's about 16 percent of them are now homeschooling, which that number was in the single digits before then. Hispanics also have increased. It's about 11 percent. So for families who have in the past perhaps thought, I can't do this, and then suddenly found themselves in a situation where, for many of them, they had to do it, or their kid was going to get no education. Right. They have all of a sudden realized, I can do this. <laughs> and, and there, are, you yeah, know, no, there are more support groups. And and, um, and I think this has also been an opportunity. I've been in touch with a number of uh, Protestant pastors, people who in the past would have said, no, stick it out, your kid's got to be the you know the salt and light and the leaven and, and all yeah. of this are now looking at this and realizing this is toxic to our kids right. right we have really got to empower our families to find an alternative and if it's homeschooling that's great if it's going to be a small little christian school at our at our storefront church we're going to do it yeah yeah and those are good options
0: and there's more than one way to be salt and light in a culture. You can have a distinctive community of which you're a part, which shows a different way of life. And uh, that's being salt and light. Uh, Mary Holt will come back, continue the conversation. The book, by the way, is called Get Out Now, Why You Should Pull Your Child from Public School Before It's Too Late. I'm Al Crestle. We'll be right back with Mary Rice Hassan. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta, and with me, Mary Rice Hasson, author of "Get Out Now: Why You Should Pull Your Child from Public School Before It's Too Late." I, Mary, let me ask one of those questions that people don't normally ask until there's trouble, and it's this question: What are public schools for?
1: Well, it depends on who you talk to. So this, this is one of the, uh, the points that was raised in that Washington Post editorial. So mm-hmm. some of the experts that they quoted were putting forth a view that's held by a lot of professors, um, progressive university education experts, who say that the purpose of public schools is to create citizens, not to impart knowledge, but mm-hmm. to create future citizens to shape them so it now we wouldn't necessarily disagree that that's one purpose of a of a government run school the sure. government the state has an interest in having people who are literate who can do numbers who can function in society have sure. some knowledge of right. how things work but where where we differ is this that it used to be, again, even 100 years ago, 50 years ago, you had some consensus that education was supposed to do more than that, that it was supposed to shape the person, shape character, yep. that it was supposed to give you a, shape the person to be a good person. There was a common shared understanding of what that meant. Mm-hmm. And yet, as we've lost that consensus of what's good and as the progressive education establishment has come on board. They're, they're shaping hearts and minds. Make no mistake about it. But they're shaping them towards a different goal. One where God's not in the conversation. There is no objective truth. You know, everything's relative. It's individualistic. Sexual gratification yep. is, is a, you know, sort of the, the pursuit of individual happiness. And, and so it's a very different vision. Um, and they they couch a lot of that in the idea of creating independent thinkers and creating right. kids who are going to be able to um, think for themselves and and therefore be good citizens. But but here's the other thing: we all know teenagers. Anyone who's been a parent, we know kids, we know teenagers. There is no teenager on this planet who makes up their mind completely on their own. Their decisions <laughs> are shaped. Right. Yes, they're absolutely. shaped by media, they're shaped by peers, but they're also shaped by the adults in their lives. Right. So the big question is, which adults are going to do that shaping? And this is why they want to keep parents out. Yeah. Because those who have a different vision of what's good, of what our political system should look like, uh, what the hearts and minds of, of our children should be attached to and, and striving for, they want to be the ones to shape our children and, and to... Out parents who have a religious perspective, a conservative perspective, a belief in truth, yeah. objective truth. So that's the war that's going on. Yeah. It's which adults are going to be shaping the hearts and minds of these kids. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think this is this is huge. Um, we we have uh, you know a, a kind of a, a mindset operative out there in the educational establishment that uh, really. Uh, doesn't have a vision of what... Well, actually, it has a vision of what a, quote, a good mm-hmm. person is. But that's not a vision mm-hmm. that most of us who are from the Judeo-Christian tradition, it's not a vision that we share. Uh, we have a different understanding of what it means to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a different understanding of what it means to speak truthfully. Um, we have a different understanding of truth. and it, I, It's gotten... I mean, what's, what's, what is strange to me is that this is not often uh, publicly acknowledged by people in the public school establishment. They, is it, are they afraid to bring up the fact that we really do have competing visions of what it means to have good character? Uh, we're not, we just don't have disputes over curriculum. We have disputes of what people are for, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know?
1: Right, right. And, and I, would, I would change one, one thing about what you said, sure. where you said they have a different vision of what's good. I would say they have a vision that children should be happy, and happy is not the same as good.
0: Right, right.
1: So, sure. you know, you can indulge someone, you can teach them to gratify their, <laughs> their, their basest instincts, and they may think they're happy. So that, I, I think it's even a bigger divide in terms of not just competing goods, but who the person is and, and what we should be striving for. Yeah. Goodness and truth and, and beauty or pleasure and and sort of selfish pursuits and no obligations, no burdens and all those sorts of things. So I think one of the reasons why it just has not been enough of a topic of conversation is because I, I think for too many years the Republican Party has been rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic Mm -hmm. and looking at, uh, and in fact, some of the education experts who typically weigh in on the Republican side have admitted as much. They were spending too much time looking at sort of process and things like that. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, the educational product has has, is just, it's basically just barely above the floor, you know, about a quarter to a third of kids in the public schools are quote, proficient in your basic reading and math. That's that's a disaster. It is. That's a huge failure. Even before you talk about culture and you talk about views and you talk about patriotism and, and beliefs and truth. But but again, the Republican establishment did not want to be tarred with the idea of being against public school, right. And it's, that's where I say it, it's time for people to push their legislators, push their representatives to stand up and say, you know what? Parents need to have the right to make the choice about what's best for their kids. We know the government can't run something, and the public schools across the board are a spectacular failure yeah. of yeah. what happens when the government monopolizes things and, and hyper-controls things. And yeah. and so we have to let the money um, shake it loose yeah. from the education establishment, get it out of the hands of unions, all the special interests, and and give it to the families. Yeah. Let people educate their kids as they want. And I think you would have a flourishing education economy, as all sorts of you know new schools, new products, and whatever would spring up in order to serve families who who know what they want. Yeah. and yeah. what they want is not what they're getting.
0: I've always I've always I've always thought that was important too. How close are we politically to even a a plausible? Uh, public argument that the dollars should follow, you know, the parents, should follow the scholars, so to speak, Uh, should, uh, uh, you know, we had the uh, charter school uh, uh, phase. People were excited about that as an Mm -hmm. alternative. Um, But uh, even there, some people are quite unhappy with the results. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What, I mean, how likely is it that we can get the conversation back to Again, who is responsible? If parents are responsible for the uh, the primary ones responsible for the education Mm -hmm. of their children, and we consider education to be a public good, why shouldn't the parents, uh, in some way, be able to uh, make their choice as to where they send Mm -hmm. their kids to school?
1: Sure, they should be able to. And and what we have right now is about twenty states where. There has been substantial movement to allow the money to follow the child, okay. varying programs, varying degrees, varying amounts, but real progress. So that's that's just shy of half the states. I hate to say it, but if you live in a blue state, it's not going to happen in your backyard for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to happen at the federal level. But this is a battle that needs to be fought um, within the state legislatures. Yeah. yeah, But then when we get to the national stage and we're having these bigger elections, this has got to be part of the conversation because if you elect someone who is going to just have this this vice-like grip on education and pay off the special interests, we're going to get more of the same, yeah. which means kids indoctrinated, losing their faith, uh, their, their basic humanity destabilized by gender ideology, hating themselves because of their race or hating someone else i mean it's just a recipe for disaster so this really is a time for action so as a virginia resident i'm very hopeful that we're seeing a, you know a tremendous yeah. coalition of of parents who who might not otherwise have come together around different issues but are really seeing this is not working it's not working for anyone
0: yeah yeah this is uh, this this Virginia governor's race has really generated a lot of public attention uh, especially on this issue of uh, uh parents and schools uh what's what do the numbers look like uh today
1: last thing I heard was there's there's almost an eight point spread in some polls others it's one percent three percent that youngkin is up so and and here's the thing you had mentioned charter schools i think that's we have got to stop riding that hobby horse yeah. because charter schools are public schools. Right. You don't get real choice. You get limited choice, but only about some things. And and so uh, Glenn Youngkin, for example, I know is much more open to uh, empowering parents to make all sorts of decisions, to experiment, to see what we can do to loosen up those education dollars. So I think that's that's the kind of person that we need to raise up on a political level to make this happen. But in the meantime, parents need to be empowered to realize – you are the ones ultimately responsible for your kid's education. Right. Don't wait. There are no do-overs. You mm. know? Decide what your child needs. Realize the resources are there. There are tremendous resources if you homeschool, if you uh, find a Christian school, a Catholic school, a private school. But you don't have to settle for what they're getting now. And and don't let the fancy STEM program and the big gym be what (laughs) keeps you in a school that's going to take your kids away from the face and the values you're trying to raise them. in.
0: Right. I mean, the numbers of millennials who are going to mass these days is devastating. Uh, What's it down to? Uh, 5%.
1: Well, it, that's the statistic from um, Kara, the study that they did of millennials, those who had gone all the way through public schools, you had about 5% who kept their faith and were practicing going to Mass every yeah. week, compared to about 40% of people who went to Catholic schools about 40% of Catholics kept their faith and and are attending Mass. I would hate to see what those figures are for Gen Z, you know, the youngest generation now. How do you get lower than 5%? I don't know. It's going to be 1%, 2%, but in spite of good families and people trying to do the right thing, uh, we just have to realize it, it really matters who's surrounding your kids, what they're hearing, what the framework for the knowledge that they're ingesting is, how they're looking at the world, morals, you know, it it all comes together to shape the hearts and minds of, of our kids. So it's yeah. time to grab that control back.
0: Yeah, I'm with you 100% on this. I think uh, it's it's this is the time, I've never seen a better time for parents to actually uh, stand mm-hmm. up and take responsibility. First thing you can do is get your book, right? <laughs> get out now. Yep. Why yep. You Should Pull Your yep. Child from Public School Before It's Too it's Late.
1: Very very relevant for the current moment
0: (laughs) Mary thanks good talking with you again you're welcome yeah
1: thanks so much
0: Mary Rice Hassan it is an outstanding book get out now why you should pull your child from public school before it's too late you might remember that uh, Mary was with us uh, for the Familiaris Consortio conference uh, a year ago I'm Al Cresta